Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. I'm also going to read the scripture today. Um, And it's from Leviticus 25, 1 through 7. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their field, gather in their yield. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth or your harvest, or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. You shall eat what the land yields during its Sabbath, you, your male and female slaves, your hired and your bound laborers who live with you, for your livestock also, and for the wild animals in your land, all its yields shall be for food. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, church. Can you hear me? Am I good? Did somebody say good? The dated commercial? All right, let's see. Let's pray. Gracious God, ever creating God, be with us here. And may your strength be made perfect in my weakness. Amen. So where, where are my target shoppers at? Any target people? Oh, everybody? Okay. Disposable income in this church. I didn't have to rewrite the whole intro now. Let's see. Well, uh, I saw a picture on the internet that said, you don't go to Target because you need something. You go to Target, and then Target tells you what you need. And you just come back with a big uh, bag of loot from these big box stores. Uh, I didn't know we all had disposable income like that. I thought it was more of a a joke thing, but I guess y'all are out there spending money. Good for you. (laughs) Keep the economy going, guys. Uh, I was reading an article by a guy named Walter Bergman, and he suggests that having a lot of stuff just makes you want more stuff. Uh, he says, even though we are the richest nation in the world, we never feel like we've got enough. We have to have more and more. And this insatiable desire that we have as a culture is destroying us. To Bergman, our reliance and our dedication to consumerism, it ends up making us unneighborly. We stop thinking about Uh, where these things come from, who makes them, what it costs. 
and uh, as members of a consumer society, we really have to practice how to rest well because we're constantly being driven to go and perform and produce and to keep consuming as much as we can. So we have to learn how to rest and practice it. We forget how to do it. That's, am I the only one that's like just exhausted like right now? <laughs> like I am so tired, like all the time. I don't know if it's like I'm getting close to 30. I don't know, I feel, I feel like I've always been this way, just kind of just tore up, is that a, <laughs> just a tired person. Uh, our text from Leviticus reminds us that even the earth has to be granted rest, that it's in our nature to push the earth, to, to push its productivity and to take all we can from it, but that it needs to rest. To me, it seems at this point that the earth is nearing exhaustion. It's constantly being mined and fracked and drilled and fished and logged, drained to feed our appetites. It'll take a spiritual revolution of our values to allow earth to enter into Sabbath. And we have to enter into that Sabbath as well, acknowledging that we're a part of creation. Uh, We're currently living through a mass extinction event. It's a bright, cheery like, thing to bring up on a Sunday morning. But, like, just thousands of like, living species are just disappearing every year. I read a report from PBS saying, by some estimates, as much as 30% of the world's animals and plants could be on the path to extinction within 100 years. These losses are likely to be unevenly distributed, so mostly in tropical rainforests. Those are species that are uh, highly at risk. Top carnivore species... Uh, that live in very specific locations, uh, and, and marine reef species. Uh, I know this, this uh, is a bummer of a sermon already. <laughs> I promise you we're going somewhere good uh, because God is with us. It's not all doom and gloom because the earth has seen and recovered from five mass extinction events in its long, long history. Usually these events are caused by something massive and catastrophic, like a volcanic eruption, an asteroid strike, not just by like all of us shopping at Target all the time. That's not quite as epic. It doesn't, wouldn't make for as great of a movie, but that's what's happening. <laughs> we are targeting uh, the world to extinction. Uh, this is our, our ever-expanding, unresting human activity is resulting in climate change. The Great Barrier Reef uh, is one of the greatest living structures on Earth. About half of it was killed in 2016 and 2017 by record-breaking sea level temperatures. Some estimates speculate that nearly all the coral on Earth will be lifeless by 2050, 90%. And when corals die, they don't just go by themselves because these corals are an ecosystem, they're a habitat. Things live in there, things eat the coral, things hide in the coral. Uh, is there any Finding Nemo fans out there? Clownfish re- rely on coral for housing. Um, the, the clownfish lose their homes that protect them from exposure and predators. The loss of their habitat and the insecurity of their home means they have to spend more energy and work harder just to survive. If you've ever lived or worked in a hostile environment, you know how exhausting it is to not have a safe space. 
to have to work just to be safe is exhausting and damaging. It can be hard to flourish if you feel like you always have to be watching your back. And that's true beyond the animal kingdom. One in five American families is currently spending 20% or more of their income on energy. And some are even spending more than that, up to half of their earnings just to keep their homes heated and cooled. And that's a task that's only going to take more energy as weather patterns become more extreme. A people that has to work hard to survive in their environment are people being robbed of their Sabbath, a people being robbed of their chance to rest in safety. And who's the most at risk? The poor and the marginalized, people of color. These are the people who always suffer the most and they suffer first. As environments become more hostile and resources become increasingly valuable commodities, a culture of nonstop, unbridled consumerism always demands more and more from the environment, and that comes with a high price tag. The poor and the marginalized burden, shoulder the burden uh, of, of increased health costs of pollution. Uh, does anyone know the neighborhood Blue Island uh, on the south side? In the 90s, the residents of Blue Island were subjected to the release of high amounts of industrial waste Um, all kinds of really toxic chemicals, lots of, uh, it's one of Chicago's oldest industrial suburbs, and there was just all kinds of pollution in the air and the water. There were numerous factory fires and explosions that resulted in damage to the neighborhood. Uh, A plant exploded and shattered windows uh, at a 2.5 mile radius. The people were afraid to advocate for change due to the potential of lost jobs corporate retaliation in the form of pulled school funding. So researchers at UIC worked with these, these people in Blue Island, and they, they saw that they were able to form something called the Good Neighbor Committee. Uh, they listened to each other's stories. They uh, saw that it wasn't just like our kids getting sick. It's our neighbor's kids getting sick. It's all of us that can't breathe. And they built their internal capacities as a community. Everything that they needed to fight for change, they got from each other. There was no outside funding. They banded together as brothers and sisters, and they fought to make their community better and safer. They leveraged media attention to prove the stressors of their environment were leading to negative health outcomes. And they pushed their officials and environmental regulators for change. And despite that victory, the global fight for clean air and water for all of God's children, and especially the poor and marginalized, is going to be an ongoing struggle for some time. One of the most important resources human beings need is water. Only 3% of our water is fresh water. So climate change and pollution are limiting our supply of that tiny amount. According to the BBC, over 1 billion people lack access to water, and another 2.7 billion find it scarce for at least one month of the year. In 2014, there was a study of the world's 500 largest cities, and there were estimates that one in four of these cities are in a situation of water stress. Uh, 40% of the surface water in China, that's a nation of over a billion people, the most populous in the world, the water there is so polluted, it's not suitable for agriculture, and it's not suitable for industrial use. 
During the height of the water crisis in 2015, the capital of Brazil had only 20 days of water to provide for 21 million inhabitants. The police had to escort water trucks to prevent looting. The UN projects global demand for fresh water will exceed supply by 40% in 2030 due to climate change, human activity, and population growth. So who feels good? <laughs> this is a bummer, right? This is like the opposite of what a sermon is supposed to be. It's supposed to be good news, and I've just brought you all of this like kind of depressing stuff that you probably zoned out through. I would have. <laughs> I just wouldn't be prepared to take all that in today. Uh, but the witness of Scripture is not that we live on a floating rock that's just becoming more and more inhospitable with no hope in sight. The witness of Scripture is not that we are doomed to resource wars, fighting over water and scraps of food. The witness of Scripture is not that the poor and marginalized only get dirty air and water. The witness of Scripture is not that we are helpless to our circumstances. See, despite all of these factors, the witness of Scripture is that earth is meant to be home. Earth is meant to be very good. It was created for each and every one of us to live a prosperous and abundant life on. Yes, the work of human hands might be consuming the earth and dividing resources unfairly, but we can be Christ-like in a world that is facing so much death. We can be the hands of Christ in the world without destroying it. I read a sermon that said, in the context of so much environmental degradation, the act of recycling, the act of water and power conservation become little sacraments. The gospel gives us the power to resist the forces of consumerism and enter Sabbath rest with all of creation. That's good news. We press on today, brothers and sisters, in the faith that just a few loaves and fish can feed multitudes. We break bread every Sunday believing there's enough to go around. Creation is waiting on us to live into our faith. The book of Romans says that creation groans as if in a labor. We can hear and see the labor pains of creation as the temperatures rise and as the sea creeps in and as ice shelves that have stood for millennia break off and fall into the ocean. The creation groans. It waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And who are the children of God? All of us. Every single one of us. We are the people of God. We are the resurrection we are life to the dead. We are light in the darkness. We are hope for the helpless. We are the hands and feet of God on earth. And if we do not act, there will be no action. The children of God are revealed when we stand up against environmental racism. When we fight for clean air in Blue Island, the children of God are revealed. When we fight to get lead out of the water pipes in places like Flint, the children of God are revealed. When we feed the hungry on the streets right outside, we are the children of God being revealed. When we reject greed and consumerism from dominating us and driving us to never-ending consumption, the children of God are being revealed. 
When we offer neighborly hospitality to all creation, the children of God are being revealed. When we demand justice in the face of scarcity, knowing that God is abundant, the children of God are being revealed. When we fight to ensure the security of habitat, not just for humans, but for clownfish too, the children of God are being revealed. When we resist evil, injustice, and oppression, in whatever forms they present themselves, the children of God are being revealed. When we renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness and rejection of the evil powers of this world and repentance of sin, the children of God are being revealed. When we think we can't take one more thing going wrong, but somehow find a way to enter God's Sabbath rest and reach down into that peace that passes all understanding, the children of God, brothers and sisters, we are being revealed. I know that it's heavy. I know I brought some some heavy stuff to you this morning, but I just want you to know today that God is able. When we can't limit carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, God is able. When we can't get out of bed on time, God is able. When we can't drive the speed limit because it's not even safe to do it around Chicago, God is able. When we can't even find the words to pray, God is able. God is able. Do you have concerns today? Are your hearts heavy? Are you burdened? Don't you forget that you are a part of creation and that God is ever creating in us. Amen? Amen. I want to read as I leave this Psalm 19, 1 to 6. The notion here is that all of creation is constantly, by very nature of its being, at worship. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Thanks be to God.